0: Alright, welcome back to the episode 2 of the Southeast Michigan Podcast. I'm your host Daniel, and uh, so last week, obviously it was episode 1, we talked a little recruiting, a little bit of uh, uh, little injury news about Isaiah Gash, and um, a few other things. We, um, we're going to be kind of going into another recruiting update today. Um, over the weekend we had couple more commits and some more uh, some more news overall it was a hot and cold weekend for U of M in that department Uh, the Elite 11 concluded the Elite 11 is you know Trent Dilfer's yearly quarterback camp where between 12 and 24 guys come together and you know compete for uh, just a little uh, prestige boost their their stock a little bit if you will and then we'll dive into a little bit of PFF cornerback and safety grades for uh, the returning players this upcoming season. The Shemmy Beckler saga is uh, pretty much coming to an end here. But Jim Harbaugh addressed it recently, which actually was a couple weeks ago, but today we'll talk about it a little bit. And then um, another thing, too, that was dropped Right around the same time in the beginning of June was the future schedules, so we'll hit those. So, thank you for dropping by. So, as of tonight, June 20th is this recording, Michigan recruiting is still on the up. Lot to look forward to. We touched on last week the 2023 class and how this 2024 is shaping up. So, again, by, my own, by I'm no insider. I don't pay for any of these sites. I don't think you really have to to uh, to stay up to date, but it is fun to talk about it right now, of course. We are in that dead zone period. Um, <clears throat> so we went from 19 to 22 total commitments since last Tuesday. And for Michigan, we had on the 16th, Amarian Stewart, which is a four-star wide receiver out of Chicago, Illinois. Stewart, I believe, was at a camp himself when he made the announcement, if I if I am correct. Uh, however, he is, I want to say he was boasting, uh, I want to say at least saw, saw 31 offers, you know, Michigan State, Texas A&M, Tennessee, Penn State, Oregon, Nebraska, Miami, Hurricanes Georgia, and so uh, it was a nice gift for Michigan. Uh, they need this. They need this type of wide receiver. He's more of a twitchy guy. Going to be probably utilized on special teams. Uh, I want to say Alan Shrew was kind of comparing him to a uh, little Steve Breston, as I heard uh, as I listened to him talk to Sam Webb on WTKA. Uh, the next one was on friday excuse me on saturday so stewart was on friday the next one is kind of got michigan twitter talking and i'll tell you why so the next one was micah capana three-star running back out of las vegas and the reason why twitter it was i want to say an uproar i'm not trying to cause controversy but Michigan, for a long time, was in the running for Taylor Tatum, which, for most sides, Taylor Tatum was the number one running back in this cycle, and I don't know why, but Michigan started to play off Tatum a little bit and decided to go after Capana pretty hard, and Mike Hart lands this guy, and quite frankly, you look at the tape, he looks like a five-star, he's an absolute beast. Apparently, he does play in a high school division or league where there is a lot of good competition. So he's not, you know, busting long runs on scrubs. But so Taylor Tatum, obviously, the more coveted piece. And Michigan, you know, already has Jordan Marshall from Cincinnati, Ohio. So they they, uh, take a step back, and they go after Capana, And so we got two running backs this class, and Taylor Tatum is now looking to be crystal ball to Southern Cal. He does have a visit coming up. I believe he did cancel his one with Michigan. Uh, Don't quote me on that. Taylor Tatum, safe to say, is going to be playing for Lincoln Riley. Um, Again, the good thing is, you know, we talked about last week too. His Stars don't mean everything. And if Michigan and the coaching staff really feel that this dude Is going to contribute. Uh, I'm confident in that, and you know, all the way from Indiana, Mike Hart had the uh, the the keen eye for talent. You know, over there was Tim Coleman, Jordan Howard, and granted, you can say what you will about their NFL careers. They they did gash Michigan for themselves Um, anyway. But uh, lastly, the third commitment that came in was Devin Baxter, and actually, when I was prepping for the show, he committed, and this was actually, uh, I want to say about this time last night, it's just, just uh, about to approach 8 p.m. Eastern, so Devin Baxter, defensive end, he's 6'7", 230, and another three-star, and had a lot of offers from kind of like a little all over the place. But when you're out recruiting Penn State and Tennessee, uh, I mean, you're you're doing something right. But, so I mean, defensive end has been one of Michigan's strong assets over these last few years. And uh, so, I think that uh, was another nice get. So, I don't need to go too much in depth on each guy. Like, I know their social security number, but those three guys have been added to our list since last episode. Now some of the cold that I mentioned coming off that, you know, reverse side of the hot uh was Michigan lost out in Aaron Childs. Aaron Childs, for the most part, is the number one linebacker in this cycle. And uh was pretty much I don't want to say a shoe went to Michigan, but I mean he was damn near crystal bald uh to the moon and back and so Michigan, unfortunately, loses out, and he's going to the Florida Gators. Now, the um, interesting thing, too, is the Florida Gators have now gotten nine players to commit in June alone, and they have now crept into the top three, according to rivals. Let me pull the the, the team rankings up right now, and then these are obviously are always changing, but you know, when we went show uh, live on our show last time, Notre Dame was three, and Florida was like four or five, and now Florida is three, Michigan's two, Georgia's one. Um, but anyways, obviously, if you look at, you know, different recruiting services, you'll see a little bit interchangeable uh, rankings. Regardless of that case, Florida doing well, and, um, you know, I think there was uh, something going on, on the internet that... Uh, R.J. Moton, former Michigan Wolverine, who transferred to Florida, uh, addressed something on his social media, I think it was his Instagram, where he was like, no, he's a, I'm not bad-mouthing Michigan to, you know, to steal Aaron Childs away, so to speak, but, um, you know, he's he said he's always, you know, going to be a Michigan Wolverine, uh, in a sense, so it is what it is, you can't win them all, and, uh, you know, Michigan is still, is still doing well, so... I think, I think Michigan still needs to really get a top-notch linebacker soon, though. It's been a while. Like, top, top-notch like Aaron Charles. Uh, what else did I miss? Oh, uh, real quick, to close uh, this part of the, the show, uh, this segment. Uh, Bryce West, the number one cornerback in the state of Ohio and third overall, is now canceling his visit to Southern Cal and deciding between Michigan or Ohio State. Now, I think you got to really pay attention to this. We kind of again touched on it last week, where once Michigan beat Ohio State in Columbus back in November, there was instant. There was just an instant uh, shift uh, from the 2023 class to 2025. They picked up several commitments on that weekend, right before the game and after the game, and now with Bryce West canceling this visit you know, it's 50-50 between Michigan and Ohio State, so even if he chooses Ohio State, his whole family are Buckeyes. It's now that you, now you have these players at least weighing their options, and it's not just, oh, cool, I got a Michigan offer, but, you know, I'm a Buckeye fan. I have friends, family that are Buckeye fans no other place. Now, you start to produce something on the field that's worth watching, you see what happens. And, again, this goes for the next guy, and the next guy is Aaron Scott, another top cornerback in the state of Ohio. Apparently these two guys are friends, Bryce West and Aaron Scott. Highly doubt that Michigan gets both of them. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Ohio State did, but if Michigan can get one of these guys, that's a huge stamp. Um He's probably, Aaron Scott's probably a buck lean, like I said, but again, it's encouraging to start turning heads, and um, you know, Bryce West, I forget who it is, but I believe it is Bryce West where Michigan's trying to get him back on campus in July, and if they get him back on campus, hopefully that, uh, that reassures his mindset, and hopefully we uh, get the trigger pulled there, but. Having these two guys, or if not one, would be absolutely monumental. So that's pretty much the recruiting update here. And, you know, if, we're, if we come back next week, I'll give you another one. If anything else changes, but uh, so far, so good. Now we are going to go into the Elite 11. So the Elite 11 is a three-day quarterback camp started in 1999 if you don't know and uh like I said at the top 12 to 24 high school quarterbacks get invited and uh of course the Michigan Ohio State rivalry uh was invigorated a little bit on Twitter and you know take that for what you will Twitter is uh you either enjoy it or you don't but um this camp's headed by Trent Dilfer. You also have Charlie Fry, Jordan Palmer there. You have, you know, obviously you have assistants. So you have some guys who have have recognizable names. Some don't. Um, uh, this year in the, the 2023 competition, you had 20 participants. And 18 of them uh, have committed to schools. And the only two that haven't is Elijah Brown and Trevor Jackson. They are still undecided. Uh, obviously, like I said, Michigan, Ohio State have been invested in this. Ohio State has their quarterback commit Air Nolan, and Michigan has Jaden Davis, who we talked—I uh, want to say at length last week—but we did uh, chat him up a bit. Um, Jaden Davis was one of the last to be invited, if not the actual last of this competition. So, until he got invited, and Air Nolan was already invited. You know, Ohio State fans are, you know. Talking there, talking smack, but you know, for the most part, it's just friendly banter. Um, but regarding Jaden Davis overall, and you know, I don't watch the YouTube videos, I don't, um, I'm not into it that deeply, but I do pay attention to, you know, hear and read what eyes and ears are seeing and listening to, um, on the field. And so, day one, uh, Jaden Davis, again, you, it depends on it depends on the biases and what what website what, what what are the what are the paywalls here to determine like who are you going to listen to right some say good some say bad day one jane davis you know i guess was mediocre had a good first workout had a, you know just had a decent day i guess i would to say mediocre but had a decent day day two i i guess some say he turned it on. Some say he had kind of, kind of a downer, and then on th- on day three is when he really uh, stepped his game up. Um, the day three consisted of seven on seven drills, and so each quarterback had uh, basically throwing on, throwing against the defense, and you know had so many reps. Jane Davis uh, actually ranked first on that list out of the top 20 davis was listed uh number one going 11 for 15 in passing and four touchdowns no interceptions no sacks a couple guys did have interceptions a couple guys had sacks and um number two right behind him was colin hurley an lsu commit and dylan rayola the georgia commit which dylan rayola is pretty much the consensus one quarterback in this class and so in this drill um Basically, a lot of these top one through five pretty much had four or three touchdowns, no interceptions, and and stayed clean. They didn't get sacked or anything like that. And this is like flag football, right? This is a seven-on-seven. But this is when the competition gets ramped up. So take it for what you will. Day one, day two, kind of hit or miss, depending on who you talk to. But day three, Jane Davis kind of rose from the top. Now, regardless of all the, if so, fact going on there, uh, the top five rankings will start you know, from 5-1. Jane Davis came in at 5th after the whole thing was all said and done. CJ Carr, uh, Lloyd Carr's grandson for Notre Dame commit, if you didn't know. He was 4th. Uh hope I, I pronounced this kid's name right. Number 3 was Luke Kromenhoek, and he's a Florida State commit. Number 2 was Aaron Nolan, Ohio State's commit. And then D- Dylan Rayola was number 1. But above one again, I have to. I'll have to uh, try to find out what the difference is between one and alpha dog because the alpha dog and the elite eleven MVP was Julian saying the Alabama commit, and uh, he's a five star out of I believe Alabama, um, the state of Alabama that is, and so that's kind of how it went. Now, this isn't the end all be all, and. If you look back at this competition, there's some quarterbacks that who have won it, and you go, "Who was that?" And then you go back and you look and see that, "Oh, Justin Fields has won this. Oh, um, you know, C.J. Strouds won this. You know, uh, but again, they still have their senior year to go. But it's, again really cool to just watch these guys, um, or at least read up on on how they're faring. Uh, when a lot, there's a lot of eyeballs on them. Uh, but yeah, two won it, Matthew Stafford. But then you've also had winners like Shea Patterson, Sean White, and Jeff Driscoll win it. So no, no ill will towards Shea Patterson, Sean White, or Jeff Driscoll. Sean White, I believe was an Auburn Tiger. And then we know Jeff Driscoll went to Florida. No ill will towards those guys, you know, because they didn't have a um, a, a great NFL start you know shea patterson was the number one overall pick for the us tfl michigan panthers but you know what i mean it's um it is what it is um so anyways that's how the elite 11 went down julian saying for alabama wins the elite Um, uh, now going on to our third segment is the pf excuse me pff top five corner or excuse me There was a top 10 list. We're only going to do the top five uh, cornerbacks and safety grades. Now, again, just like the Elite 11, just like, you know, some recruiting services, PFF is not the end-all, be-all, but they do a very good job at, you know, grading pro and college players. You get a good sense of, you know, who scouts are looking at. So... I thought it would be a good idea to to really just kind of gloss over this real fast because we got mission guys, of course. That's why we're here. So we'll do cornerbacks first. Um, Mike still comes in at 5. He is graded with an 83.2. And uh, obviously, you know, Jeff, him and I over at the Real Talk podcast have you know, praise Mike Sanders still up and down his entire Michigan Wolverine career. You know, made some tremendous catches at wide receiver and then converted to corner last year and made arguably one of the best defensive plays in the rivalry on Michigan's side in quite some time. And that was the pass breakup on Ohio State's tight end. His his name is escaping me, I apologize, in that uh, in the end zone there towards the end of the game. In that second half, there's absolutely... Absolutely huge. So, Mike still number five, with an 83.2. Uh, Fentrell Cypress, the second, with 87.9 at Florida State. So, there's actually kind of a, a big jump there from still to Cypress. Now, number three, Will Johnson, the sophomore coming up here for 2023 for the Michigan Wolverines. Will Johnson with an 88.2. So, not much of a gap there. Uh, Cooper. DeGene, 88.5. He's out of Iowa. So, this, this actually, these final three are all Big Ten guys. The top five has four Big Ten guys. Um, so, Gober DeGene, Iowa, and then Kalen King, 89.0 out of Penn State. So, uh, I got to be honest. Now that I know that Kalen King is the number one rated corner out of uh, in PFF size, I'm going to have to keep an eye on the Penn State secondary this year. And then we'll go to safeties here. And again, we'll start with the five and go to the one. <clears throat> we have one Michigan Wolverine here in this top five. You'll see when we get there. So LaMiles Brooks, an 81.5 out of Georgia Tech. Kalen Bullock, 82.5 out of Southern Cal. And then our boy, Rod Moore, coming at three with eighty-three points, 83.7. Aubrey Burks, 84.9, out of West Virginia at number two. And then the number one safety graded, according to PFF, is Cameron Kitchens out of the University of Miami Hurricanes with a 90 flat. So, real quick, just wanted to gloss it over and kind of uh, flaunt our our secondary there. And they're going to play a massive role. They're going to be the backbone of this defense this year. And I know... um, I know we got a lot of guys talented up on the line of scrimmage and and our backing core, but I really think that this secondary is going to have to play a big role. Ah, having a delicious bush peach. All right. So, moving on to segment number four is what I... Hinted earlier in the show. Is the Schemi Schembechler situation. So. I thought I'd address this. Again this is. i say yesterday's news. If you if you want to call it that. So Schemi Schembechler. Which is. One of Bo Shembeckler's sons. This is actually Glenn the third. So Schemi Schembechler is. Obviously grown up in the. Michigan football family his whole life, right? So if you don't know anything about him, he's been a scout pretty much his entire life. He was a college scout for the Las Vegas Raiders. He was a Southeast area scout for the Seattle Seahawks. He was a Midwest and Northeast area scout for the Washington Redskins. He was a Blesto scout for the Chicago Bears. I don't know what Blesto means, but this is on his LinkedIn. Uh He was an in-house scout for the Kansas City Chiefs. And then when he got hired here back at the University of Michigan, he was the assistant recruiting coordinator. Now, the problem with that is the time he got hired was, I want to say, late March, sometime in April. And as soon as it went public on Twitter, you know, Twitter is... A good place and a, and a and a nasty place, and in this in this case it it got to nasty. So a lot of people have a lot of time on their hands nowadays, and so they went on his Twitter and <clears throat> and noticed that uh, Shemi his he he didn't tweet anything personally, but he had retweets and had liked things that involved around slavery Jim Crow laws and some far-right conspiracy theories, and some pseudoscience, if you will. So, really touchy, really touchy subjects. And what's odd about this is a lot of this, a lot of these just insensitive tweets, you know, he, he's, as a scout, he is in and around inner-city families. And then when you see the, the stuff that he's liking, now, I understand some things that I like. Whatever, you know, before the bookmark thing, I'd like it just to remind myself to go back to it. But in this case, you know, it's just a pattern over time. It's not something new. And according to a, a few interviews that I've listened to on the radio, is a lot of people have already kind of knew about this, but kind of turned a blind eye. It wasn't hidden from the public. So it's just uh, it's just really disappointing. Um, and then you know, this is just. Just as like weeks after the, at the time this was released, you know, this is just weeks after you know Matt Weiss, Michigan's co-offensive coordinator, you know, gets busted for uh computer crimes. So you know, Michigan, you know, as much as we make fun of other schools, you know, for off the field drama, you know, Michigan. I mean, I got to be honest, there never, there's never a dull moment in Ann Arbor. I tell you that. And, uh, you know, player or coach. But, you know, Jim Harbaugh w- was asked about this recently, uh, about the first week of June. And that's kind of why we're talking about it. So, you know, uh, this, is Jim Ta- this is Jim Harbaugh speaking right here. Uh, once we became aware of the things that were offensive, offensive to me, offensive to other members of our team, we just didn't want that mindset around. It's disappointing. I've known Shem for a long time. But there's no sacred cows. It's not who we are. It's not us. Um. Apparently, Michigan used a vetting company uh, in the hiring process, and it sounds like they didn't do a good enough job. I don't believe the vetting service was named by name, but um, you know, Michigan has moved on using a new company for vetting. Uh, vetting hires, according to Jim here. So another line here from uh, Jim. I've read the report myself we have a company that vets that social media came back. Okay. So we've got a new company doing, so we've got a new company doing, but we've got to be better. I'll take responsibility for that. It's not, if it's not, if somebody can find that in a day, then we have to be able to do it ourselves or be on it ourselves. Sometimes you got to do stuff yourself. Harbaugh said. So apologize for tripping on that last one. That last bit there, but you know what he's saying? Uh, So apparently uh, they have, uh, found a different vetting company so it's just not a good look and and quite honestly you know we're probably not going to hear much of it again but this is uh this is getting ridiculous and obviously you already have the stuff that's was talked about last year you know Jeff and I did a, a show last year in real talk about you know the Beckler, you know knew about Dr. Anderson it's just uh it's it's a mess it's a mess. All right. So wanted to bring that up in case you haven't heard. But, you know, the, the PR nightmares have got to stop. And, uh, you know, if anyone even was curious to to know what Shem was doing on Twitter, he has long deleted his account. So uh, unless you screenshot of the receipts before, you won't find it. All right. So, if I didn't say, I can't remember, did I say, he he resigned so we're good. Or, the situation is hopefully better. (laughs) Anyways, um, real quick, as we uh, get into segment five here, we're going to talk about future schedules. And again, this was released in the beginning of June, but the 2024 and 2025 uh, Big Ten football uh, came out with, the protected, opponent, uh, protected opponents and two-play opponents, which essentially means uh, the two-play opponents will be like a home-and-home, and, home. and then the protected is obviously programs that you're going to play or consider a rival, and you'll play every year, and that's at least for the next two seasons. Um, <clears throat> obviously, we should know, we you know Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan uh, is protecting the Buckeyes and the Spartans, and then the home-and-home is going to be with Maryland. Now with Ohio State, the only game they protected was Michigan, and then the uh, to-and-from is Illinois Northwestern. I thought it was kind of interesting that Penn State didn't claim any uh, opponent, so they are doing a home-and-home with Michigan State, Rutgers, and USC. And really, you know, at first... And that might be still, but I was a little. I'm still a little iffy on the whole absorbing two of the Pac-12's most storied programs, just because of the the whole proximity thing, really. And I'm a traditionalist, but it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, UCLA, USC over here in the Midwest, but um, you know, Iowa's protecting Minnesota, Nebraska, Wisconsin. You know, uh, Nebraska's protecting Iowa. Um, and then you have, you know, the the Indiana and Illinois schools, the Purdue's, the Northwestern's, the Illinois. you know, they're playing each other a million times. But, yeah, um, you know, real quick, too, um, before we move on, to, I just want to touch this really fast, really quickly. Uh, UCLA, they protected USC, of course, USC protected UCLA. And then the home... And home for UCLA will be Nebraska and Rutgers. And then USC is Penn State and Wisconsin. Now, this these are just three teams for each program that's listed, but Michigan will be playing uh, both Southern Cal and UCLA here in the uh, coming season. So, yeah, something to look out for. And, man, <laughs> conference realignment is really shaping up. So uh, if you haven't seen it, that's what it is. All right. And then last but not least, while we are talking about it, it, we'll get into our future schedule here. So the 2024 home and away and the 2025 home and away has been announced for Michigan. So this is not, this does not include our, non-conference games so in the next year in 2024 we obviously already know michigan is going to be hosting texas in week two but uh for next year's home maryland michigan state minnesota ucla wisconsin might have to catch that ucla game just because hey it's ucla they're coming in for the first time their away games are illinois ohio state Rutgers, and then at usc next year is going to be a big season for michigan you know lot of, uh, a lot of new challenges, and going on the road to Southern Cal and then Ohio State, that's going to be, that's going to be something to, uh, to really be excited for. Um, give me one second as I look this up. Hanging on the line. I don't have, stupid, stupidly, I didn't have that, uh, 2023 schedule up. So yeah, so East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, Rutgers, all at Michigan. Then on the road at Nebraska, on the road against Minnesota, home against Indiana. On the road against uh Michigan State, back home for Purdue. On the road for Penn State. Oh, sorry, I'm looking at 2023. <laughs> It it took me it took me that whole time to realize that. Hold on, let me let me look at 2024. Oh my god, I can't believe I t- I typed in twenty twenty three and didn't even think about. It. All right, so there's no time. All right, so the schedule is still kind of up in the air. They don't have exact time and dates yet, of course. But I'm just I'm I'm looking at that USC game, and I'm like I'm really hoping it's not back to back with Ohio State because that's going to be something else. Anyways, that's all I really wanted to look at. <laughs> But they don't really have that nailed down yet. All right. Anyways, uh, so you have those are the 2024 and then 2025. The home is Northwestern, Ohio State, Penn State, Purdue. And then their away is Indiana, Iowa, Maryland, Michigan State, Nebraska. So uh, it looks like they're not playing any of the uh, California teams there in 2025. So whether Jaden Davis is starting next year or 2025, um, it's looking like 2024 is going to be a big challenge for whoever's understanding them. So anyways, I really appreciate you guys stopping by and uh, just want to do another quick update and uh I know it's summertime a lot of a lot of people are out enjoying the weather cooking out going to the lake doing all that all that jazz and so I'm still trying to really really gauge on what documentary or documentary series that we what we do first um to kind of do a little review, or whatever, to keep us busy, but we'll, we'll get there, I just, uh, you know, we haven't, we had enough for two shows here for, uh, for Michigan, so anyways, I appreciate you guys again stopping in, and uh, I will see you guys maybe next week, or the the week after, but uh, you guys have a good one, peace.